As we heard this morning, the third commandment in Exodus 20, verse 7 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We see the church's confession about this third commandment as it relates to oaths in Lord's Day 37. And we'll read that together. If you'd like to read along, you can find that on page 554 in the book of praise. Here the church confesses, but may we swear an oath by the name of God in a godly manner? Yes, when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is based on God's word and was therefore rightly used by saints in the Old and the New Testament. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No. A lawful oath is a calling upon God, who alone knows the heart, to bear witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, are you trustworthy? Now, we may, we may joke about the person who doesn't let facts ruin a good story, but how often do we get a little mixed up about the truth? And I think we have to, I think we all have to admit, as I do, that we often make ourselves or our stories look a little better when we tell others about what we did. And although emotions are real and can give a good explanation for why we did or we said some things, we also know that they can make us do or say things that don't express well what we want the other person to know about us. It's very hard to find objectivity. We all know the stories about how different eyewitnesses often come forward to talk about the same event, but they give a very different story to what they've seen, even though they were looking at the same scene. And then when you have facts, the present debate about climate change in our society today, it shows how, how different facts can be used to tell different stories in different ways. So who can we trust? Why have we decided not to trust some people? We all have hurt each other by twisting the truth to get what we want. And we often are overly blind and lacking in mercy so that we don't even recognize it when the Holy Spirit does change another person. Psalm 116 that we will sing later in the service, that psalm states it quite clearly. Psalm 116 in the Bible, verse 11. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. An alarm. What does that mean? Imagine, look at the consequences of this. And yet, it's so important to trust 
one another if we want to have a good relationship with them. Doubt, skepticism, they can cause a lot of hardship. They can cause a lot of unnecessary division right, right here in this congregation. Congregation that's called to live together in peace. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 6 to 7, the display text. Started with the word it, that was, should be the word love. Love rejoices with the truth. Love believes all things. See how trust is so crucial in love. Well, the passage we read in Isaiah 45 reveals the answer for everyone who is seeking the truth. In this passage, we read it so clearly in verse 19. The Lord says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. It's a gospel message for the truth, there, for the church. There is truth. And we have a trustworthy God. And the Lord who made the heavens and the earth has revealed the truth to the world in his word. And so we as believers, we don't have to adopt the philosophy of, of skepticism and doubt about the truth of, of everything. For the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has spoken. And he will not allow our fall into sin, nor the Father of all lies that the Lord Jesus spoke about in John 8 when he referred to the devil. We won't allow those things to interfere with our good and our peaceful relationships. The gospel of the third commandment is that we can use God's name in our own situations to establish the truth. That's the place of oaths in the Christian life. And I preach you the gospel under this theme. God allows us to use his name in oaths to convince doubters of the truth. The church's definition of oath that we, we confess together as God's people, it's a very clear definition. An oath is a calling upon God to bear witness to the truth and to punish the person making the oath if they swear falsely. And then we see that the oath is not necessary for the person who is speaking, but for the person who is listening. Because the person who is listening has a tendency to doubt. They know their, their own characters. They know they're talking to other human beings. But even the Lord, who always speaks the truth, he sometimes will still choose to use an oath when he made a promise about the future. That really shows us that the oath is for the listener. In Isaiah 45, verse 23, you see that statement, it's well known. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteous has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. There's other examples of the Lord swearing by himself in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 22, in the New Testament, Hebrews 6. And it's striking to see the similarity between the Lord who swore by his own name and our Lord Jesus who said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you. 
When the Lord made a promise that was confirmed with an oath in his own name, he made it clear that prophets could base their prophecy on what he said. Peter explains in Acts 2 verse 30 that David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ in Psalm 16 because of the oath that the Lord had sworn to him. Zechariah prophesied, that's Luke chapter 1, he prophesied that God would continue to realize his covenant promises to the people through Jesus Christ because God had sworn by himself to Abraham that he would bless and multiply him. That's what we sang in hymn 18. And God swore an oath. It was the declaration of the truth with some extra weight so that no one would doubt or, or belittle his wo words or, or miss out on his gracious work. And when we look to the scriptures, we see that all God, or that God's servants followed his example. The difference was that with people, the oaths were necessary both for the person speaking and for the person hearing. Although there is never any question about the truthfulness of God, there can be questions about the trustworthiness of people. The Bible records that Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and many other servants of God, they twisted the truth at some point in their, in their lives. And so oaths were necessary whenever the truth of events in the past were questioned and doubted. The second time an oath was important was when there was a question about the seriousness of a person's intent concerning the future. Humans tend to underestimate their own weaknesses and overestimate what they are able to do. And so to ensure that something actually does happen in the future, believers were often asked to swear an oath. We see this when Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for his son in Genesis 24. He, he made his servant swear an oath. We see this in the New Testament when Paul sent a letter to the churches and he, and he made them swear that he would, they would have it read in all the churches. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 27. So we know what an oath is. We see examples of an oath, but maybe you're sitting there going, well, it's nice, nice to know what's that got to do with me. Why, why is this important? Why is it in our confession. It's possible that we might tune out a little bit. I mean, when's the last time you swore an oath? It's very rare, isn't it? Trustworthy people who love the truth, who love their neighbor, can live your whole life without swearing an oath. However, just because we never swear an oath, that doesn't mean that they aren't a blessing for our lives. We don't need to use something personally to know that it is useful. You don't have to ram your car up against the guardrail on a bridge to understand how guardrails can help you. And, and, and any example of a person being saved by the guardrails will help you to understand the, the big picture and may even give you comfort as you drive your car very carefully in the lanes over the bridge to bring your family to the other side. Well, it's the same 
with oaths. The use of oath-taking based on God's word was rightly used by the saints in the Old and the New Testament. And by simply observing their use, God is revealing himself to us. We see how the oaths testify to the magnificent holiness and the perfection of God's name. We grow in our understanding of who God is. Accepting oaths, believing that we can use oaths if we need to. That's a confession. It's a confession concerning the character of God. It's a certain conviction that, that God is omniscient, all-knowing. That God is omnipresent, all, uh, present everywhere. That God is omnipotent, almighty. You, you catching that? The omni means all, and the word after. God is all these things. He is holy. He is true. He is good. He is gracious. He is just and majestic. And we go through that list a little more slowly, we will see that the Christian acceptance and the youth of oaths is, in the first place, confession of God's omniscience. People who accept the use of oaths believe that God knows all things. He knows every detail of the historical context. Isaiah 45 says that he, he told of events long before they happened, verse 21. And he knows how every little detail is connected. He knows all things. He knows the picture. And as we state in our public confession concerning oaths, we believe that God alone knows the heart. Beautiful confession connected to oaths. He knows the most hidden thoughts and inclinations of the human heart. He knows the motivations. Now you might, a person might be able to deceive another person for their whole life so that they, they die believing a lie. But when you believe in oaths, you know that God, you cannot deceive God with your lies even for one moment. The oaths expose the truth. The acceptance and the swearing of oaths is also a confession of God's omnipresence and his omnipotence. His, his, he is present in, in every place. Psalm 139. That's the one that says that, that if you go down to the depths of the sea, he is there. If you cross to the far side, he is there. If you go up to the heights, he is there. God is present everywhere. And if you accept oaths, you also make a confession that he is able to be everywhere. That same mighty hand can reach out to us to ensure that you fulfill what you say. The passage we read in Isaiah 45, there's that close connection between the truthfulness of God and his almighty power as creator of heaven and earth. So by accepting oaths as part of our life, we confess that God is present everywhere and he is all mighty. And then by calling this almighty, present everywhere, all-knowing God, to bear witness to the truth. We use his name. We say, may God be witness. 
Well, then we confess the holiness of God. We confess that our God delights in the truth. As God makes his children rejoice in the truth, like we saw in the display text in 1 Corinthians 13, so also he always affirms what is true. He seeks to bless his children by upholding and helping those who, who want to live in the truth. You see what his kingdom looks like? You see what he, he brings to this fallen world? His love for the truth means that he hates all liars. He will punish them for associating his name with that which is untrue by affirming oaths. We believe, we confess that we believe that God is truth. And every lie will be exposed. And when God's, children's, uh, when God's children take oaths in the name of God, they declare to the world that the Lord is just, that the Lord loves justice. Once again, it's a declaration of what the kingdom of God looks like. And right beside that justice, we see a God who, who loves mercy. He is a God of goodness and, and grace. We ask him to bless the person who is speaking the truth. We want to see a kingdom where there is fidelity and truth. And God called, allowing his name to be called into an oath. He promises that that is the kind of kingdom we may be a part of. Well, when we understand the glorious revelation of God's almighty name in the oaths, we can understand why it's so important for us to defend the use of oaths as we seek to protect the truth in God's kingdom. Oaths reveal the truth in God's kingdom. Besides revealing the truth about God, oaths also serve God's work to restore the truth, to, to bring us back in that direction that, that he made us originally in Jesus Christ. Oaths have a function in, in bringing restoration in a broken and a fallen world. Now there are people who argue that Christians should not use oaths. They say oaths should be unnecessary, should not be used among the church because they only became necessary when sin entered the world. You could say in a way that oaths are a result of, of sin. They even say the origin of oaths is evil. So they don't think Christians should use oaths. The problem is that one could argue the same thing for clothing. Clothing only became necessary because we fell into sin. And just as clothes were a gift of God in his work to restore the peace of his kingdom to us, so also using God's name in oaths helps to restore truth in the world. It's that restoration work of the Lord that we see in our acceptance of oaths. And it's a clear testimony that we believe that Jesus Christ is victorious over the devil's lies, and that God's love has beautiful and practical results for the church that we may, we may celebrate together. You see, we never need to panic. We never need to panic and, and worry. Maybe there is no truth at all. 
We don't need to panic when it seems like truth is just unimportant in, in, in life to many people or when doubt obscures our confidence and our trust in one another. Oaths can give hope to those who are doubting. And they can even be used to, to serve relationships to develop further, to clearly establish the truth by calling in the name of God. So we know that they can be used in many situations. The use of oaths is not wicked, but we do recognize in Scripture a clear warning about using oaths too much. Be very careful in the use of oaths. We see that in Ecclesiastes 5 about vows, calling in the name of the Lord to deal with our situation. You see, God's Spirit leads us to understand that we speak every word with God as our witness. And in most cases, this is enough to make oaths irrelevant for us. Think about it. Whether we say yes, or we say I do, or we say I promise this is true, or we say I swear with God as my witness that such a thing is true, well, the truthfulness of our statement will always remain the same. Christians who, who love always rejoice with the truth. And part of living in this truth is trusting in the power of the Spirit to lead other Christians also to speak the truth. And that's why the Lord Jesus taught us to defend the oath in the name of God by limiting the use of oaths. You can read more about it at home maybe. Matthew 5, Matthew 23, James 5. In these places, the Holy Spirit warns against swearing oaths in a careless way without regarding their, their weight, their solemnity. And the Lord Jesus warns about swearing by anything less than God. And people used to do that so that they could maintain an appearance of a serious commitment without worrying about the ser serious consequences of lying. The Lord Jesus says it's better not to swear at all than to try twist the truth with these references to God. And since Christianity always, or since Christians always seek to speak the truth, and also they want to believe all things that other Christians speak, we can see that an overuse of oaths can have a very negative impact on our general commitment to speaking the truth. And that's why you can see it even in our confession, there's a, a limitation. The church confesses that the use of oaths ought to be limited to those times when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. And we also defend and protect the seriousness of the oath and its blessing by limiting who may take an oath. This is a good exercise to go through as you also think about how often you, yourself, value and speak the truth. You see, not everyone can be entrusted with the responsibility 
of swearing an oath. There's also a limitation on, on who can swear an oath. People who do not show themselves to be repentant, genuine Christians who fear the name of God, they will not gain anything by using the Lord's name in an oath to confirm their words. That's not an oath to the glory of God. Swearing by a God you don't believe in is like saying to someone that you'll do something as certainly as unicorns exist. Therefore, although it is a sad indication of our times, we can be thankful that at least the government no longer obligates unbelievers to make a mockery of God's name by swearing on a Bible they don't believe in to a God that they hate before they enter into government offices or testify in a court case. Not everyone is capable of swearing an oath in God's name. If people don't understand or value the difference between truth and lies, they also are incapable of swearing a lawful biblical oath to promote fidelity and truth. There are people who are too young physically or mentally to understand the abstract concept of truth. They should not be asked to swear an oath in God's name. There are also very manipulative people who are overly controlled by addictions to mind-altering substances or who are caught in, in passionate lusts or who are committed to revenge and whose selfish desires interfere with their understanding of truth and the importance, the value of promoting fidelity and truth. Not everyone can swear an oath in God's name. People who do not love their neighbor, who aren't seeking their neighbor's well-being. The oath is for our neighbor's good. Well, if you're not a person who has that neighbor's good in view, you're also not capable of swearing an oath. People who are aggressively bloodthirsty or quietly self-promoting or cantankerous in their unwillingness to cooperate with others. They cannot be trusted with God's holy name to swear an oath. People who have previously lied under oath, that's called perjury, lying under oath, and have never promised and showed real amendment, they remain incapable of properly using the name of God in, oath, in oaths. And so we see, brothers and sisters, how holy God's name is. But we also see that since many people are unfit to swear an oath, in order to bring an end to all disputes. Since so many others persist in denial and lies with no regard for the well-being of others, for truth. This also means that when we're dealing with one another as sinners, dealing with those around us and who don't know the Lord, there may be times when it's impossible to know what really happened. The sad reality of our day is that it's very possible that the perpetrator and the victim might die in a lie. You see, the fall has ruined many 
wonderful things. And reflecting on that, you see how that makes you really want to pursue truth. You see how the Spirit is, is lifting you to, to see that God's name might be filling everything, His truth. It's difficult to be a trustworthy person. It's difficult to trust others. We praise God for the gospel that peace in his kingdom and fellowship among us as, as believers, it does not depend on our own ability to be truthful, to guard the truth, but it depends on his holy name and his spirit working that desire for truth in our hearts because we know his name, because he gave his name to be used in oaths. That's the comforting revelation of the third commandment. Besides all that, no matter what people say, no matter what lies people seem to get away with, no matter how much fake news we come across, no matter how much deception and truth-twisting we encounter in our own hearts and lives, we can know that there is an absolute truth. There is a holy God. He is a righteous judge like we read together in Isaiah 45. And on the last day in his kingdom, which we also have a glimpse of already through the oaths, we will see that truth will be all and fill all. Lies continue to attack and weaken the bond of believers and the communion of saints. But brothers and sisters, take heart. Take heart. Lies are not real. Illusions are not the truth. The only thing that is true is what the Lord has said. And since he has sworn by himself to remember his holy covenant, we can build our lives and our relationships to one another on this firm foundation. Let us make it our aim to live in the oath of the church. So beautifully captured in Psalm 119, verses 105 and 106. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Amen.